For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the themes of Yom Kippur. This is part two of the series. Now let's look at Psalm 51 and let's read about David's confession of his sin and how it was done. Psalm 51 verse 1 begins by saying, A psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. I want you to notice here that David is making a plea unto the God of Israel to be forgiven of his sins based upon the mercy that the God of Israel extends unto his people who confess their sins. Psalm 51 verse 2, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. So he asked the God of Israel to forgive his sins based upon the mercy that the God of Israel grants in forgiving sin. And David confesses his sin and says, I acknowledge my transgression. Psalm 51 verse 4. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you might be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge. See, we need to realize when we sin, we're actually sinning against the God of Israel. When we sin, it grieves and it hurts his heart. We all love him enough that we don't want to hurt his heart. So if we think about that when we do sin, how it grieves his heart, perhaps it may allow us to stop and think and reconsider what we're doing. Psalm 51 verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part you shall make me to know wisdom. What is the hidden part? That's the heart. He wants me to love him with my heart. It's with my heart that he's going to teach me wisdom. What is wisdom? It is is the knowledge and the understanding of the ways of the God of Israel, his word or his Torah. Psalm 51 verse 7, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. That is speaking about that our sins are completely forgiven. Psalm 51 verse 8, Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean 
heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Put a spirit in me that wants to obey you, honor you, love you, not a spirit that breaks your commandment. Cast me not away from your presence, and if we're not cast away from his presence, what are we? Face to face. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. In other words, don't let the guilt of the sin remain with me if it's been forgiven. Allow a pure heart to be in me and allow me to live for the God of Israel with a pure heart and a joyful heart. Then it says, Psalm 51 verse 13, Then will I teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted unto you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The joy of knowing that our sins are forgiven. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you desire not sacrifice, else would I give it. You delight not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure unto Zion, build you the walls of Jerusalem. Then shall you be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, then shall they offer bullocks upon your altar. I want you to notice what David is saying, the way in which the God of Israel accepts burnt offerings and bullocks upon the altar. It has to be done with a broken heart and a repentant heart. In other words, our hearts have to be right because he says earlier, which we just read, that if our hearts are not right, he doesn't desire burnt offerings and he doesn't desire bullocks upon the altar. That those things he only accepts if our hearts are first right before him. If our hearts aren't right, he doesn't accept those things. The Torah says that we must confess our sins and the sins of our forefathers. In Leviticus chapter 26, verses 38 and 39, it is written, And you shall perish among the heathen, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And they that are left of you shall pine away in their iniquities in your enemies' lands, and also in the iniquities of their fathers shall they pine away with them. If you will confess your iniquity and confess the iniquity of your fathers with their trespass which they have trespassed against me and that also they have walked contrary unto me and that I also have walked contrary unto them and have brought them into the land of their enemies if then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled and they then accept of the punishment of their iniquity then will I remember my covenant with Jacob and also my covenant with Isaac and also my covenant with Abraham will I remember and I will remember the land what is he speaking about I will remember my covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will remember the land. He's talking about the promise that he made to the forefathers that when the people of the God of Israel would sin and he would scatter them in the nations, the promise he made to them that if they would repent of their sins, he would regather them from the nations where they've been scattered.
scattered and bring them back to the land of Israel and he would make things better for them than what it ever was for the forefathers originally. So I want you to notice that there's individual sins that we can commit, but also there are corporate sins that affect us. The sins of our forefathers also affect us and our relationship unto the God of Israel. In traditional Christianity, we, we usually just focus on individual sin rather than realizing that there's consequences that are a part of our lives from how our forefathers live in the sins of our forefathers. You see, the way in which we express our faith under the God of Israel today, being believers in Yeshua the Messiah, this generation didn't decide how we was going to do it. We expressed that faith from how it was handed down to us from our forefathers. Ultimately, we have to go back and understand the history of our faith, and then, in doing that, we can see where our forefathers have committed iniquity so that we are then able to confess not only our sins, but the sins of our forefathers. We can see that Nehemiah had this understanding, and in Nehemiah in chapter 1, when the captives were coming back from Babylon, those who were taken there from the southern kingdom, as is recorded in Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah realizes that he has to confess his sins and the sins of his forefathers, and this is his prayer in Nehemiah in chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, continuing on through verse 6 as it is written, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gate thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard the these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, that keep covenants and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. He's quoting there from Exodus chapter 20 and verse 6. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now day and night for the children of Israel your servants and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against you both I and my father's house have sinned. Daniel understood that the God of Israel required that he confess his sins and the sins of his forefathers. This is recorded for us in Daniel in chapter 9 verses 2 through 5 and then verse 8 11, 15 and 19 as it is written. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. Once again, quoting from Exodus chapter 20, verse 6. It is from Exodus 20, verse 6 that Yeshua said in John 14, verse 15, If you love 
me keep my commandments. Daniel chapter 9 verse 5. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from your precepts and from your judgments. O Lord, to us belongs confusion of face to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers because we have sinned against you. Now in Daniel chapter 9 verse 11, 15, and 19 it is written, Yea, all Israel have transgressed your Torah. Even by departing, they may not obey your voice. Therefore, the curse is poured upon us in the oath that is written in the Torah of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And now, O Lord our God, that have brought your people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have gotten you renowned as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for your own sake, O my God, for your city and your people that are called by your name. In confessing our sins and the sins of our forefathers, we need to, among other things, confess the sins of Jeroboam. What are the sins of Jeroboam? What did Jeroboam do? Well, Jeroboam built a golden calf system of worship and didn't obey the Torah of the God of Israel. Jeroboam set up a substitute place of worship, a substitute priesthood, and substitute holidays. In 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 25-33, it is written, Then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim, and dwelt therein, and went out from there, and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. In other words, he's looking out what he perceives as his own interest and not the interests of the people as it relates to the covenant that the God of Israel made with his people as it relates to keeping his commandments. First Kings chapter 12, verse 28, Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt, making a reference that what he is doing is compared to Exodus 32 and the golden calf. It is trying to allow the reader to understand that this is the equivalent to the golden calf or a golden calf system of worship. So we need to understand the characteristics of this golden calf system of worship. And he set one in Bethel, which in Hebrew means the house of God, and the other he put in Dan. And this thing became a sin for the people went to worship before the one even unto Dan. And he made a house of high places and he made priests of the lowest of the people who were not the sons of Levi. What does what did the God of Israel say in the Torah? That the teachers of the people were to be priests and they were to be of the Levitical family. The children of Israel worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of sex and fertility. Judges chapter 2 verses 11 through 13 it is written, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baalim. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods. Of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtoreth. Ashtoreth becomes Ishtar which becomes Easter. The Easter eggs 
and the Easter bunnies and those things are associated historically with the worship of Ishtar and the worship of the fertility of the land. It is some of these customs which we have inherited from our forefathers which can be directly traced back to the days of Constantine. Next, we need to confess the sin of putting up Asherah trees. The children of Israel set up Asherah trees. We can see this from Jeremiah, Yermiyahu chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, as it is written. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaks unto you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, Learn not the ways of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cuts a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. We can see here the connection with what we today put up a Christmas tree and decorate it. So here we're told in Jeremiah chapter 10 of the custom that the nation of Israel were doing in their days, which is very similar to the custom that we have today. Where does this custom come from in Christianity? Does it go back to the first century? Does it go back to Yeshua and the disciples in the book of Acts? No, it is really traced back to the days of Constantine. And what we have done, we've inherited the things that our fathers have done, and we continue those things by custom and tradition, generation after generation. And so this is a part of confessing our sins and the sins of our forefathers. And confessing our sins and seeing the connection connection here with what we did and how it paralleled also what the nation of Israel did, we are now going to look at 2 Kings chapter 17 and verses 32 and 33. Here it says, so they feared the Lord. Is that good or bad? That's good because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So notice it says that they feared the Lord and then it says they made unto themselves of the lowest of them priests of the high places which sacrificed for them in the houses of the high places. So they're doing something which the God of Israel didn't command and they're doing it in the context that what they're doing, they're doing it through the fear of the Lord. They're doing what they're doing with respect and reverence unto the God of Israel, yet what they're doing is not what he commanded. Verse 33, They feared the Lord and served their own gods after the manner of the nations whom they carried away from there. And it goes on in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 34, through 41, which is the end of the chapter, and it says that they fear not the Lord, neither did they keep his commandments, which he commanded them at Mount Sinai. But instead, they feared the Lord by worshiping the Lord according to their own ways. And so if we look at that in the context of confessing our sins and the sins of our forefathers, by growing up in traditional Christianity, my testimony from the people that I have been around is this. The vast, vast majority of people who attend traditional Christianity church on Sunday, they are people who are there that love the God of Israel, that want to do the will of the God of Israel, that fear and honor the God of Israel. So they're doing what they're doing with good hearts, except not everything that they do are they doing according to how the God of Israel commanded that he wanted to be worshipped. When the Torah tells us to confess 
as our sins and the sins of our forefathers. These are some of the things that we need to understand so that we are able to confess our sins and the sins of our forefathers. Well, part of the punishment that the God of Israel gave unto specifically the northern kingdom when they broke the covenant that he made with them at Mount Sinai, it tells us in Hosea in chapter 2, verse 2, and then verse 5 and verse 11, that he would take away the celebration of the festivals and the joy that's associated with celebrating these things. Hosea chapter 2, verse 2 says, Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. For their mother has played the harlot. She that conceived them has done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. I will also cause all her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, and her Sabbath, and all her solemn feasts. So, historically, in looking at traditional Christianity, going back to the days of Constantine, when a decision was made by Constantine, which ultimately got carried out generation by generation, now we're 1,700 years after that, to not keep the commandments of the God of Israel in the context of celebrating the Sabbath and the annual biblical festivals, as a result of setting up an alternative system of worship rather than keeping these specific commandments, we ended up bringing in a substitute holiday system and teachers of the ways of the God of Israel, which is not based upon teaching his people to follow Torah. And as a result, the God of Israel then took away from our worship the celebration of the Sabbath and the annual festivals, just like he did unto the northern kingdom historically. Now, in the end of days, though, we are told that in the last generation that precedes the coming of Yeshua to rule and reign during the Messianic era, we would be able to look back and see all these things. He would outpour his Holy Spirit and open up our eyes, and we would ultimately do what is prophesied in Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 19, which is written, O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in the day of affliction. What's the day of affliction? The tribulation period. The Gentiles shall come unto you from the ends of the earth. Where did he scatter his people for breaking the covenant? To the ends of the earth. And they will say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit. In order to understand how we've inherited lies, you got to know what the truth is. Because the lie is the opposite of the truth. What is truth? Psalm 119, verse 142. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your Torah is truth. So if we've inherited lies, it means we've inherited a belief system that doesn't identify with and follow Torah that we will recognize and understand in the end of days, specifically and corporately in the day of affliction, and we will confess our sins and the sins of our forefathers. Guess what the God of Israel will do? He will redeem us and bring us back to the land as he promised in Leviticus in chapter 26. We need to confess that Yeshua is Mashiach, that Yeshua is Messiah. In Romans chapter 10, 
verses 9 and 10, it is written, that if you will confess with your mouth, Yahweh Yeshua, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, Whosoever shall confess that Yeshua is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God. So when we repent of our sins and confess our sins, we not only have to confess of our sins and the sins of our forefathers, but in confessing our sins, we need to confess that Yeshua is Messiah. Well, that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject, the themes of Yom Kippur. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.